Section twenty four of Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Nater. Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume two. Great Navigators of the Eighteenth Century by Jules Verne. Second part, Chapter one, Part one. French Navigators, one a discoveries made by bouvet de lozier in the southern seas surville the land of the arsacides incident during the stay at port praslin arrival upon the coast of new zealand death of surville marion's discoveries in the antarctic ocean he is murdered at new zealand kerguelen in iceland and the antarctic regions the contest between the watches florian and verdun de la crene in the earlier half of the eighteenth century a discovery had been made which was destined to exercise a favourable influence upon the progress of geographical science jean-baptiste charles bouvet de lozier a captain of one of the east india company's ships was so struck by the immensity of the space surrounding the southern pole known to geographers as terra australis incognita that he begged for the privilege of prosecuting discoveries in these unknown regions his importunities were long disregarded but at length in seventeen thirty eight the company consented in the hope of opening new facilities for trade two small frigates the aigle and the marie fully equipped left brest upon the nineteenth of july seventeen thirty eight under command of bouvet de lozier after a stay of a month at san catherine's island upon the coast of brazil they put to sea again upon the thirteenth of november and steered for the southeast on the twenty sixth heavy fog set in so that the vessels could only keep in company by constant firing and were obliged to tack about continually at the risk of running foul of each other upon the fifth of december although it would have appeared impossible the fog increased in density to such an extent that those on board the aigle could hear the movement of the marie though they could not see her the sea was covered with kelp and seagulls never found at the distance from land were shortly afterwards seen upon the fifteenth of december says m favre in his memoir de bouvet in forty eight degrees fifty minutes southern latitude paris is the northern latitude forty eight degrees fifty minutes and in the seven degrees western longitude the meridian of tenerife an enormous iceberg was perceived towards five or six in the morning shortly afterwards many others were seen surrounded by ice floes of various sizes the marie signalling danger tacked about but bouvet annoyed by this action which was likely to affect the confidence of the crews crowded sail on the aigle and by passing the marie showed his determination to maintain his southern course to reassure his men he asserted that it was considered a lucky omen to meet with ice as it was a certain indication of land at hand the course was continued to the south and bouvet's perseverance was soon rewarded by the appearance of land to which he gave the name of cape circumcision it was steep covered with snow and so shut in by large icebergs that it was impossible to approach to within seven or eight leagues it appeared to measure from four to five leagues from north to south this land was supposed says m favre judging from pieter gosse's charts which were used by bouvet 
to be situated in forty-five degrees southern latitude and twenty-six degrees and twenty-seven degrees east of the meridian of Tenerife, or between five degrees thirty minutes and six degrees three minutes east of that of paris bouvet would much have liked to make closer acquaintance with this region but the fogs and contrary winds prevented his reaching it and he was obliged to satisfy himself with observing it from a distance upon the third of january seventeen thirty nine says bouvet in his report to the company we made up for what we had lost during the preceding days and about four in the afternoon the fog clearing somewhat we distinctly saw land the coast broken throughout its entire length formed several bays the summits of the mountains were covered with snow the sides appeared wooded after several fruitless attempts to near the coast bouvet was forced to relinquish his idea his sailors were worn out with fatigue discouraged and enfeebled by scurvy the marie was sent to the isle of france and the aigle directed her course to the cape of good hope which she reached upon the twenty eighth of february we had penetrated says bouvet in his report already cited twelve or fifteen thousand leagues into the unknown sea for seventy days we had encountered almost continuous fog we had been for forty days in the midst of ice and we had had snow and hail almost every day several times our decks and rigging were covered with them our shrouds and sails were frozen on the tenth of january it was impossible to work our fore topsail the cold was severe for men accustomed to a warm climate and who were lightly clad many had chilblains on the hands and feet still they were forced constantly to tack about bring to get under way and tack soundings at least once a day one of the sailors belonging to the aigle having been sent to loosen the fore topsail became frozen in the foretop he had to be lowered by a whip and circulation was with difficulty restored i have seen others with tears gushing from their eyes as they handled the sounding line and all this was in the fine season and i ameliorated their condition by every means in my power we can readily understand that such small results did not tempt the east india company to continue their efforts in these latitudes if they were productive of no good they cost heavily in the loss of men and ships they entailed still bouvet's discovery was a first blow to the existing belief in an antarctic continent he gave the start and various navigators amongst them two frenchmen followed it up in our short record of this expedition which is scarcely known we have testified to an appreciation of our countrymen who was the pioneer of antarctic navigation and who deserves the credit of furnishing an example to the great english explorer james cook another of the east india company's captains who had distinguished himself in various battles against the english jean francois marie de surville was destined to make important discoveries in oceania some thirty years later and to rediscover almost simultaneously with cook the lands first seen by tasman and which he called staten island the following is an account of the circumstances messieurs law and chevalier governors in french india determined to send a vessel at their own risk to trade in the southern seas they admitted surville to their schemes and sent him to france to obtain the needful authority from the company and to superintend the equipment of the vessel the saint jean baptiste was made ready for sea at nantes and provisioned for three years 
with every requisite for a distant expedition surville then reached india where law provided him with twenty-four native soldiers leaving angley bay on the third of march seventeen sixty nine the saint jean baptiste put in successfully at masulipatam yanaon and pondicherry where her equipment was completed surville left the last-named port on the second of june and steered his course for the philippines on the twentieth of august he cast anchor off the bashis or bashi islands dampierre had so named them after an intoxicating drink which the natives compounded from the juice of the sugar-cane into which they infused a certain black seed several of dampierre's crew had formerly deserted in these islands they had received from the natives a field agricultural instruments and wives the recollection of this fact incited three of the sailors belonging to the saint jean baptiste to follow their example but surville was not the man to allow his crew to melt away in such a manner he seized twenty-six indians and signified his intention of keeping them as hostages until his men were brought back to him among the indians thus seized says crozet in his narrative of surville's voyage there were several courageous enough to throw themselves into the sea and much to the surprise of the crew they had sufficient courage and skill to swim to one of their pirogues which was far enough from the vessel to be secure from danger pains were taken to make the savages understand that they had been treated in this way in order to make their comrades bring back the three deserters they made signs that they understood and were then released with the exception of six who had been taken on shore the haste with which they left the ship and flung themselves into their pirogues augured badly for their return much surprise was therefore felt when in a short time they were seen returning with joyful acclamations doubt was no longer possible they could only be bringing the deserters back to the commander they came on board and proceeded to deposit on deck what three magnificent pigs tied and bound surville did not appreciate and he obdurated the natives so fiercely that they jumped into their pirogues and disappeared twenty-four hours later the saint jean baptiste left the bashis taking three captive indians to replace the deserters upon the seventh of october after a lengthened route to the southeast land to which the name of premiere vue was given was sighted in six degrees fifty-six minutes southern latitude and one hundred and fifty-seven degrees thirty minutes longitude east of paris the explorers coasted along it until the thirteenth of october upon which day an excellent port was discovered shielded from every wind and formed by a number of small islands m de surville cast anchor and named it port praslin it is situated in seven degrees twenty-five minutes southern latitude and one hundred and fifty-one degrees fifty-five minutes eastern longitude reckoning from the paris meridian upon entering this port the french saw several indians armed with spears and carrying a sword of shield the saint jean baptiste was very soon surrounded by pirogues manned by a crowd of indians who were profuse in menacing gestures however they were pacified at last about thirty of the boldest clambered on to the deck and examined everything they saw with close attention it soon became needful to check their advances as there were many sick among the crew and it was unwise to allow too many natives on board in spite of the welcome they received the natives were still doubtful and their looks expressed distrust the slightest movement on board the vessel was sufficient to make them jump into their pirogues or the sea 
one only showed a little more confidence and surville gave him several presents the indian acknowledged the attention by saying he could point out a spot where good water was to be had the captain gave orders to arm the boats and entrusted the command to his lieutenant labbe the savages appeared impatient for the departure of the boats from the ship says florian in his découverte de francais and they were no sooner lowered than they were followed by all the pirogues one of these appeared to lead the others in it was the indian who had offered his services to serville at the back of the pirogue a man stood erect holding in his hands a bunch of herbs raising them above his head with a rhythmical movement in the centre of the same pirogue stood a young man resting upon a spear who gravely watched all that went on red flowers were in his ears and passed through the cartilage of his nose and his hair was powdered with white lime certain thrilling symptoms aroused the suspicion of the french who soon found themselves in a cul-de-sac where the natives persisted in declaring that fresh water was to be found labbe in spite of all the persuasions of the natives did not wish to imperil his boats in two or three feet of water with a muddy bottom and therefore allowed only a corporal and four soldiers to disembark they soon returned asserting that they had seen on all sides nothing but marsh in which the men would sink to the waist it was evident that the natives had meditated treason labbe took good care not to let them suspect that he had detected their design and asked them to point out a spring the natives then led the boats some three leagues away to a spot from whence it was impossible to see the ship the corporal was again sent forward with some men but he found only a very poor spring barely affording sufficient water to slake the thirst of his party during his absence the natives did all in their power to induce labbe to land pointing out to him the abundant coconuts and other fruit trees and even attempting to possess themselves of the boat hook more than two hundred and fifty of these natives says the narrative armed with spears from seven to eight feet long with swords or wooden clubs arrows and stones and some carrying shields were assembled on the shore observing the movements of the boats when the detachment consisting of five men proceeded to re-embark the natives fell upon them wounding one soldier with a blow from a club the corporal with a spear and many others in different ways m labbe himself was hit by two arrows in the thigh and on the leg by a stone the traitors were fired upon the first volley so astonished them that they remained motionless it was the more fatal as being fired only three or five fathoms from the boats every shot took effect the amazement of the natives gave the opportunity for a second discharge which completely routed them the death of their chief greatly hastening their flight m labbe who had recognized him apart from the others with his hands raised to heaven striking his breast and encouraging the assailants by his voice aimed at him and shot him dead the natives carried off their wounded leaving thirty or forty dead upon the field of battle it was then possible to land and picking up such of the enemy's weapons as were scattered about the victors contented themselves with towing away one of their pirogues and destroying the others surville was extremely anxious to capture an indian who might serve him as a guide and who convinced of the superiority of european weapons might warn his countrymen against opposing the french with this view he hit upon a singular expedient he ordered two negro sailors to be placed on board the pirogue he had seized 
had their heads powdered and disguised them so cleverly that the natives were likely to be deceived in fact a pirogue soon after approaching the saint jean baptiste the men who were in it seeing what they took to be two of their own people trafficking with the strangers drew nearer so soon as the french imagined they were at a fair distance they launched two boats in pursuit the natives gained ground it was then decided to fire in order to stop them one of the natives was killed at once and his boat capsizing he fell into the sea and the other who was only fourteen or fifteen years of age endeavoured to reach the shore by swimming he defended himself most courageously says the narrative sometimes making believe to bite himself but really biting those who held him his hands and feet were tied and he was taken on board he counterfeited death for an hour but when he was made to sit up and he fell back on deck he took good care to fall on his shoulders instead of his head when he was tired of playing this game he opened his eyes and seeing that the crew were eating he asked for a biscuit ate it with a good appetite and made many expressive signs he was bound securely so that he might not throw himself overboard during the night it was necessary to resort to firing to disperse the pirogues which approached with a view to surprising the ship next day the native was taken in a boat to a small islet since called aiguada island scarcely had he landed when it was perceived that he had almost cut through the ropes with a sharp shell the young savage was taken by a different route to the shore when he perceived that he was to re-embark and biting the sand in his fury the sailors succeeded at last in finding an abundant spring and plenty of wood one of the trees they cut appeared to have dying properties for it tinged the sea with red some of the bark was boiled and pieces of cotton steeped in the decoction turned deep red welcome refreshment was afforded to the crew by the palm cabbages good oysters and various shellfish which abounded there were indeed many sufferers from scurvy on board the saint jean baptiste surville had looked forward to this stay to cure them but the rain which fell ceaselessly for six days aggravated their complaint to such a degree that three of them died before they left the anchorage the port was named praslin and the large island or archipelago to which it belonged arsacides in reference to the deceitful nature of its inhabitants port praslin says florian would be one of the finest ports in the world if the bottom were better it is of circular shape reckoning all the islands discovered from the spot where the saint jean baptiste cast anchor the ferocity of the people inhabiting the islands of port praslin was such that it was impossible to penetrate into the interior and it was only possible to examine the sea-coast we perceived no cultivated ground either in the trip we made to the further end of the port nor upon the aiguade island which was explored throughout such are the superficial particulars which surville and his crew were able to collect fortunately they were supplemented by those furnished by the captive native whose name was lova salega and who possessed a great faculty for learning languages according to his account the island produced palms coconut trees various almond trees wild coffee the ebony tree the takamahak as well as numerous resinous and gum trees the banana sugar-cane yams aniseed and lastly a plant called binao which is used by the natives as bread cockatoos wood-pigeons lories and blackbirds somewhat larger than those of europe abounded in the woods 
in the marshes the curlew sea-lark a species of snipe and ducks were to be found the only quadrupeds the country produced were goats and half-wild pigs the natives of port praslin says florian quoting from the manuscript in his possession are of ordinary height but strong and muscular they do not appear to be all of one origin a valuable remark for some are perfectly black whilst others are copper-colored the former have woolly hair which is very soft to the touch their foreheads are small their eyes slightly sunken while the lower parts of their face is pointed and adorned with a small beard their expression is fierce some of the copper-colored natives have smooth hair they usually cut it round the head as high as the ear a few only retain a little shaped like a cap on the top of the head shaving off the remainder with a sharp stone and leaving only a circular fringe about an inch deep at the bottom their hair and eyebrows are powdered with lime which gives them a yellowish hue both men and women are stark naked but it must be allowed that their nudity is not so startling as would be that of an european without clothes for the faces arms and generally every part of their bodies are tattooed sometimes the taste of these designs is really wonderful they pierce their ears and the cartilage of their nose and the nostrils often hang down from the weight of the ornaments to the upper lip the commonest ornament worn by the natives of port praslin is a necklace made of men's teeth it was at once concluded that they were cannibals although the same customs had been met with among people who were not lova's confused replies and the half-broiled head of a man found by bougainville in a pirogue in choiseul island placed the existence of this barbarous practice beyond the possibility of doubt End of section twenty four